Well, a couple of quick things before we start our sermon. First off, according to my Giants championship watch, we're five minutes closer to the New England Patriots' demise. <laughs> yes! Can I get an amen? No. <laughs> oh, a couple of quick things. Um, according to my Giants... No, I'm just kidding. Um, a couple of quick things. First, many of you have been asking, um, can we do communion more often? Because you grow up in a, in a church where you did it every Sunday, and you know our, our services are like an hour long, an hour and ten minutes if we go a little bit over, uh, and it makes it really difficult to do communion more often than like every six, seven weeks or whatever. And I agree with you 100%. I would like to do it more. So here's what we're going to do. Um, starting this what's well, next week then. Um, starting next week, the first and the third Sunday uh, of, uh, of every month, we're going to do communion at 945 Okay, so 9:45 after before first service, 9:45 every first and third Sunday of the month, we're going to serve communion in here. And if there's two people or one per, doesn't matter. We'll do it for as many as, as as show up. Okay, and we'll do that consistently. So if that is a tradition of yours that you really love, um, communion is extremely important to each one of us. So I wanted to make sure that we. And I was thinking of all the ways that we could do it. Um, in a room, a back room somewhere, you know, we try to do it. I, I think we should do it just, we'll do it here on Sundays at 945, get here a little bit early. Uh, we'll do it together. Either myself, will, I'll lead it or, you know, one of the other pastors will lead it, but we'll do it first and third. Also, junior high and high school, we're doing a Sunday school class for you guys. First service starting next week at the 10 o'clock, the first service. So um, if you're in junior high, you're in high school, please, um, you know, if you're, if you're used to getting up maybe this time, maybe want to get here a little earlier, come to the first service to the junior and high school, Sunday school class. We haven't named it yet, so you guys can help us name it. Uh, but uh, we want to do that to offer something on Sunday mornings uh, for you guys uh, during that first service time. All right. I'll tell you what. Um, it's been an exciting, exciting few uh, few months here, actually February, month and a week or so in 2012. God is truly blessing us. You see the, uh, the outside foyer here all painted and redone. Everything was taken care of. It's just, it looks incredible out there. And I want to thank those who put the effort into making that happen. If you haven't seen the Grace Impact Center, the back section recently, you say, oh, I saw it a month ago. You, if you saw it a month ago, you haven't seen it. So make sure that you go over there and check that out. We're just going to keep adding to that. It's exciting. 2,000 people a month or I'm sorry, a week are in that building. Uh, our men's basketball Thursday night men's basketball um, kind of hangout time had 28 guys there the other night. Uh, I know there are more people who want to be a part of that, so I think they're doing it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But you know, Thursdays right now is the time you want to go, and if they if they expand it, that would be awesome as well. Um, after school program, if you're uh, in junior high, there's an after school program. We open up the building. For, for you, and the first meeting we had like three students show up. Last week we had 35, so it just keeps increasing, um, and God is truly blessing us as a church. He really is. It's exciting to be a part of things right now here at Grace Chapel as God continues to bless us. You know what? Um, when I was, when I was uh, 17 years old, and this is kind of going into this new series that we are starting this morning, which is one that I have been excited about uh, presenting 
for the past year or so, trying to figure out what is the best way to do it. And when I heard that Saddleback, there are 4,000 other churches that are starting 40 Days in the Word, and we're doing it together. When I heard that Saddleback was doing it, Saddleback was kind of our mother church that helped us plant Grace Chapel uh, back in 2000. And love the staff out there, uh, love the things that they do, and they really helped us a lot in the very beginning. And so we love to jump on and and be a part of their 40-day series, and this one is 40 Days in the Word. And so it was something that was on my heart because about 20 years ago, I'll go back just 20 years, I was able to sit in my office, and if, if someone came in and they had an issue or there was a little disagreement on something they were doing in their life, I was able to open up my Bible and say, well, listen, the reason that, you're, that you should really think this through is because God's word says, and I'd read them what the word of God says, what Jesus said, you know, what was written. And, and it, it, most Christians would just say, gosh, I never really heard that before. And there would be a, a camaraderie. There'd be, a, there'd be an openness because all of us as believers in Jesus Christ have the Bible as our foundation. You know, skip 20 years ahead now, I'll sit in my office sometimes with folks and I'll say, well, you know, the reason I think that that's something you shouldn't be doing is because the word of God says, and they'll, I'll get arguments. Well, I feel, that's the biggest one. Well, I feel like God told me, I feel, and it's like, you know, Luke Skywalker going toward the Death Star, you know what I mean? And, and Obi-Wan saying to him, Luke, trust your feelings, you know, trust your feelings. I love Star Wars, but that's not the greatest advice in the world. Just go and trust your feelings. As believers in Jesus Christ, we need to trust the word of God, not what we feel. But now sometimes I'll get in debates with people between what the word of God says and what they're feeling, how I feel. I feel I should be able to do this because, well, I appreciate, I love you all, all my heart, uh, but our feelings when it comes to the word of God don't take precedence. You know, they don't supersede God's word. So back when I was 17 years old, I'm 17 years old and I'm living in an apartment complex, and you, a lot of you heard this already, so I won't go into great detail. But my philosophy of life when I was 17 was I hate everyone I don't know, and I hate most people I do know. And it was a very well-thought-through philosophy. I just didn't get angry one day and come up with it. It was what I believed. I hate everyone I don't know, and I hate most people I do know. I was very bitter. I was very angry. Um, I, I, was, I would drink my way through the weekends uh, just to basically numb myself because I thought life was just one big mess uh, didn't trust people very much. And so the future didn't look too bright for me because I thought if, if the future is anything like the past, you can have it. And when, then a friend of mine came back, Patty, uh, who had lived there a couple years before. She was one of the gang. Um, I loved the people within my apartment complex. I would live and die for them. But everybody else was, was, to, be, was to be, you know, they were a threat. Patty came back and she started, she was like changed. I mean, she, she talked differently and she was excited. I, I thought to myself when we first started talking, this girl must be involved in a cult because no one can be this happy. You know what I mean? It's just something wrong here. She was so excited. She was so enthusiastic. And so I was going to go to church with her to get her out of this cult and explain to her why she shouldn't go anymore. That's the, first, that's the reason I went to church for the first time because my friend Patty, who I loved, was in this cult and I had to get her out of there because, you know, they were, they were making her way too happy in life. <laughs> had to fix that for some reason. <laughs> Should have left her, you know. Um, went to church for the first time, and uh, long, you know, you've heard the story. A lot of you've heard the story before, but that first meeting, uh, God began to change my life. And uh, youth pastor Rich Thomas, as I started going to the youth group, gave me a Bible. It was uh, it was a little green outside the Bible. It was a green Bible, and it had a ready reference in there. And I started reading it. 
Then I went to retreat in Memorial Day 1980, gave my life to the Lord, and I really started reading it at that point. And this, one of the reasons I started reading the Bible and really was intent on, um, on studying and understanding it was because I didn't grow up with my dad or my brother. And there were times where I love my dad and we have a great relationship. But when I was growing up, uh, my parents were divorced and he wasn't around. And there was a times where I didn't know who my brother or my father were for like two years. And when I became a Christian, one of the things I really wanted to understand was what is it to be a father? Because I didn't have that example around me. What is it to be a husband? I'm, I'm now 18 years old and I'm looking at life and I'm saying, I don't really know how to interact on that level. And I didn't have anyone show me. And the examples that I had around me in the apartment complex and different people weren't very good examples. I only had one friend in that apartment who even had a dad. And back then, this was years and years ago, I'm 49 now, so just the math, um, no one talked about it. I didn't even know why my friends didn't have a father. Uh, we all just, you know, that was it. You didn't have one. I didn't have one. We didn't sit around in circles and talking about, you, 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 some of you understand what I'm talking about. Way back then, you didn't talk about your issues. You know, you just had them and you dealt with them. It's better now where you get to talk things through. But uh, so, you know, I didn't understand what it meant to be a father or a husband. And so, man, I took the word of God. My youth pastor gave me that little ready reference. You know, that little ready reference they have in the front. And you can kind of flip through it. And it goes through alphabetical order. Um, and I looked up every passage I could find on being a father or being a husband or being a dad or whatever, whatever related to that. And I studied it and I allowed God to shape me. And I said, Lord, I don't know these things. So you got to help me become this kind of person. I loved the Bible. I love the Bible. It helped me become who I am today. It helped me to figure out who I should. I had heroes when I was younger, and some of those heroes I, I put aside because the Bible in Proverbs talks about don't hold up a brawler as your hero or your example. I was like, okay, well, some of these hockey guys I loved, you know, <laughs> can't, can't, they're not my heroes anymore. It shaped me. It literally shaped who I am as a person. Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, tells a story. These two guys were, were building houses for themselves. And they built on two different foundations. One of them built on the foundation of a rock. And Kevin talked about this a little bit last week. And the other built on a foundation of sand. Well, when the, when the, when the storm started to blow, the person who built his foundation on the sand, his house basically collapsed. But the person who built his house on the rock, on that strong foundation, his house survived it stood the test all the winds all the pressure all the things that life can throw at him his house stood and then jesus says this in in matthew 7 24 everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like that wise man who built his house on the rock so the question this morning is how do we build our lives on the foundation the strong foundation of god's word we have this series, 40 Days in the Word. That's really the question we need to ask. How do we build our lives on that strong foundation of God's Word? God gave us five senses, right? To hear, to smell, to taste, to touch. You know, he gave us five senses and to see. And what we need to do is we need to use all of those five senses if we want to build our lives on his word. We need to, to apply all those senses. Using James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25 as a foundation, I want to share some ways that we can do that. 
I want to share a few ways that we can build our lives on that foundation. The first way to build our lives on the Bible is to receive it with our ears. Receive it with our ears. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And in James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, you can flip it open there, because we're going to stick to mostly in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. This is James chapter 1, 19 through 21. It says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Accept, the word accept here, has the idea of hospitality. It's being hospitable. It's it's a hospitality term. It's like receiving a stranger into your home. You want to be hospitable. You want to show hospitality. So, you know, it's, it's got that idea of receiving people and even strangers into your home. We need to welcome the word of God into our lives. We need to receive it. We need to welcome it into our lives, welcome it into our hearts. We need to have an attitude of acceptance. We need to be prepared to have that attitude of acceptance. Say, Lord, I want to hear what you have to say. My heart is ready. My heart is fertile soil. You know, receiving the word of God is often compared to planting seeds in the Bible. A good example of that is in Mark chapter 4, where it talks about the parable of the sower. Now, uh, many of you know Mike and Kathy Benkin. Mike Benkin came, went to, uh, to Nigeria with us about seven years ago or so. And, uh, and Mike, owns Benkin, Mike and Kathy own Benkin's Florists and Greenhouses. We have our aqua, first aquaponics system. They help to set all that up. And when Mike was in uh, Nigeria, I watched him teaching the Nigerians how to do a lot of the planting. And certain, certain trees would grow better here. Certain trees would grow better there. And then he had a, a, um, a kind of a seminar about a year ago. We were doing box planting. And Mike came and explained to us that, you know, you can have different seeds and different seeds. The same seeds will, okay, the same seeds will grow at different times in different soils. They'll grow differently in different soils. So you take that same exact seed and plant it in different soil and it'll grow differently depending on the soil. And then you say, why, why is that the case? Because the soil is prepared for the seed. When you prepare the soil for the seed, that seed will grow even better. It will grow even better. Have you ever noticed um, two people can be in a Bible study or two people can hear the word of God, hear a message one receives it and gets a blessing. You've been in a Bible study where, or you've been in a situation where in church or something where you heard the word spoken and you, you, know, you were prepared and, and, and you got blessed. It was a blessing for you. You grew. That, you, that, that was an area in your life where you started to grow. Someone else hears it and they, they basically say, I got nothing out of that. I really didn't get anything out of that. How is it that one person can hear the word of God and receive it and, have, and receive a blessing and have their lives transformed? Someone else can hear the exact same thing and say, well, you know, I just don't get anything out of it. It's because they are not prepared. Their hearts are not prepared. Their hearts are not like fertile soil. So when the seed is, is planted, it doesn't take root. Unlike some others who receive that and say, oh, this is what I was looking. This is what I was hoping for. Now, you may be thinking, well, how then can I be prepared? How do I, how do I get prepared? Well, if you want to get good reception, there's a few things you have to do. 
You know, any, anytime you want to get good reception, there's a few things that you need to do. First is you need to be quiet. You need to be quiet. James says that we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. It's simple. When you're talking, you're not listening. In a relationship, many times I'm in, a, in relationships, because I'm the pastor, I find myself sometimes, even in, 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 in other situations, talking too much. It's just, it's just you know, part of, the, part of the, the job description, you talk too much. And I'll have to say to myself, okay, Jeff, now stop talking and listen to what the other person is saying. You've said enough. There's no more needs to be said. Even if there's a little silence, make sure that you're, you're listening, not just talking, you're listening. I spent some time with a, a gentleman who didn't know the Lord a couple of weeks ago, and we were at lunch, and he asked me some questions about, you know, about Grace Chapel, and we talked about Grace Chapel and back-to-back and some of the things we do with self-sustaining enterprises, and I shared all that with him. And then at one point I said to myself, now, you're finished, you're finished speaking, ask some good questions, and let him, let him share. Listen, how am I going to know how I can share the love of Jesus Christ with him if I'm not listening, if I don't understand his worldview, if I don't understand where he is emotionally, if I don't understand what his questions are, his thoughts are, what, how, he, how he thinks. We need to listen. It's the same with God. Sometimes, you know, you want to be praying, you want to do those things, but sometimes we just need to get off and be quiet, be still and listen. Very quietly, just listen and allow God to speak to us. So James says, if you want to have good reception, if you want to hear from the Lord, you need to be quiet. He also says, you need to be calm. There needs to be a, you need to be calm. Slow, he says, and slow to become angry. Fact, we don't hear much, do we, when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when we're uptight. When, you, when, when you're angry or you're, when you're upset, you get defensive. It's just whether you're, you know, you get in an argument, you get in a frustrating situation, and when you're angry, when you're upset, you get defensive. You know, not this ever happens to any of you because in our church it's totally different. But sometimes when you're on your way to church, in some churches, as funny as it is, kids act up in the car. I don't understand it, but, you know, they do. And other, other churches, not ours. And, uh, and the kids will act up in the car and you're driving and they're just kind of driving you batty. I don't know how many times I have to tell you that. You know, you're finally, you know, remember when you're on vacation and you're, dads do this on vacation, you're driving. You know, I'm, one more time. I'm going to pull this car over. You know what I mean? Now, dads are never going to pull the car over because they got to get where they're going. So it's an idle threat when dads, I'm going to pull this car over. So what dads do is they kind of reach back from the front seat and try to kill their whole family from the front seat. You know what I'm saying? And you take your little brother's face and push it near your dad's hand so he's like slapping him instead of you. You know, yeah, 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 you know what I'm talking about. But you come to church, not not to that extent, but you come to church and everybody's acting up in the back seat. You get here and, you know, you get here late because the only reason anyone in Grace Chapel gets here late is someone else's fault. I know that too. And so you get here late because your kids were acting up in the back of the car and you pull in, you can't find a parking space. Well, it's been a little drizzly and it's cold and you want to walk from over there in the parking lot. So now you're in a really bad mood and you get to the door and the first, the first person is a greeter there and you're like, you want a piece of me, greeter? Are you, are you talking to me? You know what I mean? 
And, you know, they're like, you know, well, you're thinking to yourself, I'll snap that smile right off of your face, Mr. Grinster. You know, and you grab your kid by the arm, you kind of drag him. Their feet are like dangling off the ground. They're walking, but they're actually on the ground. And you take them to the, 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 the place where they, they sign the kids in. You sign a different name because you want to decide if you want them back after the service. So you just sign a different name. And you take them and you toss them in the room and say, you know, learn something about Jesus. And you come in here. And then you're like, speak to me, Lord. Speak, yeah. Lord, pour into my heart, you know, your words. You know, it's like it takes you 25, 30 minutes just to calm down. You, what we need to do is drop your kids off like a half hour early, then go out and get a nice cup of coffee or something, and, and then come to church. But if you're, if you're in that kind of mood, if you go through that, it's very hard to receive. It's very difficult to, to hear from God. If you're in that frustration, a relaxed attitude increases receptiveness. We need to be calm. We need to be relaxed to the best of our ability so we can receive from the Lord. It it is very hard to hear and receive from the Lord. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, even this morning, when you felt like committing a crime before you even got through the door. You know what I'm saying? You feel like, you know, before you even get here, you just feel like, ugh. So you've got to be calm. All right? You've got to be calm. So quiet and calm. You also have to be clean. Say, what does that mean? I took a shower before I got here. Verse 21 says this, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. A good way to say this is before you do the seeding, you need to do some weeding. You need to do some weeding. You need to get in there and start asking the Lord, what is it in my life, Lord, that I need to start working on? When he says, he says in this verse, get rid of moral filth, what he's talking about is taking off your old way, your old immoral life, your old way of living, and then putting on your new life. Well, this, this passage specifically talks about taking, in a sense, taking off old clothes, old dirty clothes, and putting on new, clean clothes. So you need to take off all that old stuff. When I became a Christian, that's what I wanted to do. I knew the difference. One good thing about getting saved when you're a little bit older, in my case, was that I know what darkness looks like, and I know what the light looked like. And I knew I had to get rid of that old, those old clothes and, and burn those so I can live a new life. So he says, take off the old stuff and put on the new, clean clothes. Put on something new. Here's the point. Sin blocks us from hearing God. Sin in our life, different, different forms of sin in our life, it blocks us from hearing God. Verse 21 uses the word evil. It says evil. That means anything we know isn't right in our lives. Whatever it is in your life, you need to ask yourself, Lord, what is it in my life? That is keeping me from hearing and responding to your word, from hearing your word. What is it in my life right now that is holding me back from truly hearing what you want to say to me so that I can, I can hear you even more clearly? So before you spend time with God, you need, if you can, to take out the trash in your life. See if you can take out some of that trash in your life. You're not going to, you know, it's, we're always going to have stuff ca- we're carrying around. But see if you can take out that trash. Take off the things that are hindering your ability to hear and respond to God. So you say, well, now, Pastor, how, how do I do that? Well, one of the best ways to do that is to confess it. Confession is cleansing. It, it really is. Confession is cleansing. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. 
That's what we're talking about. And here's, here's one of the ways that Satan keeps you from spending that time and hearing from God. It, isn't, it isn't, has anything to do with God here. It has to do with you and what you're, the lies you're listening to. You know, we, we all make mistakes. You know, you say, oh, take off that filthy rag, all those dirty things that you would ever put, put on new clothes. And you think to yourself, yeah, I do that. But then a week later, it's like, I'm, I'm dirty again. Hey, you know what? That means you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're aware of it. You know why you're aware of it? Because the Holy Spirit of God convicts you. He convicts you. When you are convicted by the Holy Spirit, you then repent. When you repent as a Christian, God forgives you. These are all facts, okay? I am convicted. I repent. I am forgiven, okay? Here's what happens to a lot of us. We, we do something, and, and all of a sudden, Satan makes us feel condemned. You loser. You, that's the 50th time you've done that. Do you really think God's going to forgive you if you are a real Christian? Blah, 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 blah. All the lies in your head. And you feel condemned. Then you don't want to spend time with the Lord, and you can't hear from him. What God is real, you think sometimes when you go before the Lord, you're kind of holding your head down. You don't want to read because you feel all this mushy guilt and condemnation. That's not from God. When you go before the Lord, if you've been convicted and you ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. Jesus Christ is standing right in front of you. You're covered with the blood of Jesus. When God sees you, he sees his son. You're in good shape. He wants to spend time with you. Don't be tricked. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to spend that time. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to do that as we spend time with the Lord. Next one is we need to be humble. Verse 21 it continues, Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humility prepares my heart for what God's word Okay, for, for the, the way the Lord God wants to, wants to speak to me. Humility will prepare my heart to do whatever God tells me to do in his word. So when we're humble, it's that fertile soil again. So humility is preparing me to do what God's word tells me that I should be doing. So we need to be humble. We need to have that humility. That's one of the things that in, in our culture, oh my goodness, do we really need to work on that? We should do a whole series just on humility. I'm not picking on anyone in particular. I'm just saying for most people, this one, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. We need to be humble. We need humility just opens that fertile soil up so that God can begin and do even more work in your life. So we have basically four, four hearing aids. Be quiet, be calm, be clean, be humble. You want better reception? You want to put those hearing aids in? Better reception? You be calm. Okay? You be clean. You got to go through. You, get, you, you, you be humble. And you be quiet. And if you have those things in your life, you're going to eat, be able to hear the Lord in even, in even greater detail. That's what we need to do. Now, the second way to build our lives on the Bible, the second main point is read it with our eyes. In James chapter 1, Verses 22 through 25, he says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We need to take time to read the Bible when we can focus. 
We need to take the time to read the Bible when we can focus. It says looks intently, okay? Did you get that? Looks, looks intently. As I read it, as I read the word of God, I need to reflect on it. I just, you know, not, not going through, I need, to, I need to spend some time. As I read God's word, I need to reflect on his word. You know, in many ways, the Bible is like a mirror. The Bible is like a mirror, and a mirror helps us evaluate ourselves. As we look into a mirror, it helps us evaluate ourselves. Now, every one of us looked in a mirror this morning and assessed the damage that was done that night, right? We look in that mirror, kind of look in the mirror, and you're like, you know, you're assessing the damage, and then, and then you do something about it. Once you look in the mirror and you assess the damage of the night before, your hair sticking up, your breath stinks, you know, you know, and you do some. Now, some of us had to do more than others. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of look in the mirror sometimes, and I just say to myself, what happened? You know, what, <laughs> you know, what, what happened? You know, I remember, you know, people, people who are like in their 80s and 90s will say to me sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm kind of older on the outside, but my mind, I feel like I'm 18 years old in my mind. And I think sometimes, you know, you look in that mirror and you just say, you know, I, I, I look sometimes when I get up out of bed and, you know, my bag's under my eyes and I have crow's feet over here and my hair is this. And, and you just say to yourself, what, what, how, how, did, how, did this, how did this happen? I mean, you know, every, it's funny, you look in that every single day. Queen, the first Queen Elizabeth, when, as she was getting older, she had all the mirrors in her, the palace taken out as she, as she aged because she thought she was losing her beauty. And so she, instead of, instead of dealing with that, she had all the mirrors taken out of the palace. God's word reflects back to us what we look like on the inside. What we look like in the inside. His word is like a mirror reflecting back who we are on the inside. Have you ever seen yourself... Um, as you're reading the Bible, have you ever seen yourself in the Bible as you're, as you're reading it? I don't mean like a, like a mirror reflecting as you're re- actually reading it, but I mean seeing yourself in the Word, where you're saying to yourself, yep, that's me. Man, I do that all the time. I can't, you know, I do. Or, boy, I've really grown in that. I've, you know, you read through and you're like, wow, I remember a few years ago, I've really grown in that area. I used to be a very angry person. And then you're reading that anger and you're thinking, yeah, and you're reading yourself into it. You see it's reflecting back who you are on the inside as you read through the word of God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the Bible does. It compares our old lives, the lives that we were once living or the life that I'm living now to the life that God wants me to be living and, and, and then encourages me and gives me the strength and the knowledge and the ability to to become the person that God wants me to be. It helps me change and transform. That's what the Bible does. You look at it, and when you look at it, you shouldn't say, oh my goodness, you know, oh, 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 oh. What you should say is, you know what? That's who I am now. That's who I won't be in a month. That's who I will not be in a year. That's what you won't even know me in five years. People who know me when I was a child, okay, when I was... Like for between uh, uh, birth and 17 years old, if you put them in this building right now, some of them haven't seen me since I was 17 years old, and I'm standing up here preaching to you people, they would be absolutely stunned. This is a guy who was afraid to get... He would never read in front of people. He would never talk in front of people. I mean, it wasn't just a fear. I was petrified. So how on earth did I get up here as a pastor and I'm like, you know, do, you know talking to you right now. I'm not petrified. I don't, I'm not no butterflies. I'm good. 
I'm not worried about it. How is that possible? Because the word of God, the word of God planted in me. I have a purpose. God's going to use me for and God calls me and he tells me what he needs me to do. And his word continually penetrates my heart and penetrates my mind and penetrates my life. And I'm transformed into a different person. So when you look at the Bible now, if you're a younger Christian, you, some of you people, not you people in a bad sense, but some people come to church once in a while and they look at someone else across the room and they say, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He goes to church. You've got to be kidding. What a hypocrite. Do you know how old he is as a believer? How do you know he's not like six months to a year old as a believer? What, is it, what does a one-year-old know? Do you, do you go around like punishing your kids at one years old or six months old because they don't know everything? What are you, what are you doing eating that off the floor? Don't you know? They don't know. You know? <laughs> so people come in, oh, those hypocrites. Well, you know, if you look at the pastor and I'm being a hypocrite, okay, because you know I've been a Christian for a long time. But how do you know the other person's only been a Christian for two years? What does a two- or three-year-old know? They're growing. They're not a hypocrite. The Word of God is just transforming them. It takes time to transform most people just don't snap their fingers and become like Jesus overnight. I don't know anybody who does that. It's transformational. That's what happens. That's what the Word of God does. It comes into our lives and transforms us. Now, there are two ways to look in a mirror, okay? One way is to glance at it. It's real quick. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, know about you, but I don't like to spend a lot of time in the mirror, in front of the mirror at the hotel, for some reason, any of you with me on this one? You ever see those mirrors in the hotel? I don't know what's going on, but it is like it reflects all of your flaws much better than the mirror at home. You know, you're putting something on at home. You're like, hey, hey, uh, I look all right. And you get in fear of the mirror in the hotel. You're like, a, you're like a zombie. You're like, holy mackerel, what happened there? I look good at home. It's somehow, it's something about the mirror, it, it seems to point out the imperfections on a deeper level in the, in the hotel room. And you're like, so I don't like spending a lot of time there. I believe it's the light. I really, it's not me. It's got to be some kind of light. It's like one of those warped mirrors or something. But, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of time looking into that mirror. In some cases, we as believers in Jesus Christ will glance at the word of God because we don't like what it reveals or exposes about us. I don't want to stand there in front of a mirror that makes me look really, my perspective makes me look really bad on the outside. So I kind of glance really, oh, I look fine, my hair's fine, and go out. What's what we do with the Word of God? We glance at it really fast because we don't really like what it reveals in our lives or what it exposes in our lives. So we're kind of like the first Queen Elizabeth. We just take all the mirrors out of the house. We don't want to look. We don't, we don't, really, we don't really want to look at it. Now, some of us do something else, which is more common, which is we're really rushed. We're really busy. We glance, we glance, we glance because we're really rushed. You're like, Lord, I have, uh, you know, according to my Giants championship watch, Lord, I only have like, like 10 minutes before the game, you know, to, you know and you, so you, you, you do that. And so you glance at the word of God and you don't really, you don't, ha- you don't take the time to look at it. It's like the person who quickly looks and then forgets. You quickly look, you quickly look and you only have 10 minutes before whatever. So you quickly, and then you forget. You're not applying it to your life. You're not memorizing. You're just basically looking and forgetting. When I was in youth group, when I first started going to youth group, um, the students in the, in the, some of the students in the youth ministry there who grew up in church, I'm not picking on anybody who grew up in church, praise God you grew up in church, um, but some of the folks, some of the kids who grew up in church, 
they kind of glanced at the Bible. They went to Bible study. They glanced at it there. You know, yeah, the guy's, talk, you know, saying something. They kind of take a little bit in, goes in one ear out the other. Uh, they would go to church. This never happens at Grace Chapel, ever. But some of the students, believe it or not, would sit in the back and talk to each other instead of listen to the pastor. Isn't that funny? That's insane here. Because, of course, I'm saying stuff that's so amazing to your life all the time. So that would never happen here. But that's what they did. And they would basically, it would just be a quick, quick, quick glance, glance, glance. It was like water off a duck's back. And then when they got older, they made all these ridiculous decisions and I would try to help them. I was only a Christian for a few years, but I would try to help them avoid making ridiculous decisions that, were, that they could just avoid it if they knew the Word of God, if they applied the Word of God to their lives. When I was 17 years old, I, I, and again, I'll go back to when I was 17. When I was 17 and I became a Christian, I knew that there was so much that I needed to learn. I knew what my old life had to offer and, and I knew what it, would, what, it would, what it would bring about. And I was so excited. I was so hungry to learn about what God's word, you know, that this new life in Christ. I was so hungry to learn of how that would transform my life. So what I did was I looked intently. I studied the Bible intently. And what I said to the Lord was, Lord, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I have so many flaws. I don't know what it is to be a godly man. I don't know what it is to be a husband. I don't know what it is to be a father. I don't know what it is to maybe be a good friend, Lord. So what I want you to do is I want you to reshape me. I want you to take this and I want you to put it in my heart and I want you to reshape me into the man that you want me to be. And when I studied, I studied. I looked into it. I was no scholar. I went to Naya College, which is the Bible college, and I'm telling you, I was six months as a Christian. I didn't even know. I knew who Moses was because Charlton Heston would do it every once in a while on TV. Other than that, I didn't know any Bible characters. But I'll tell you, I had the heart to learn, and I, I tried to apply it to my life. I tried to own it. I, wanted, I said, Lord, reshape me. That's the attitude we have to have as believers, taking the word of God into our hearts and saying, Lord, I want it to reshape me. They would glance and forget. The person who truly wants to know God's word, he wants to gaze intently. That means looking at the details. God doesn't want us to to glance at. He wants us to gaze on his word. He doesn't want us to quickly glance at his word. He wants us to gaze on his word. He wants us to gaze into, to, to gaze on it to gaze on it, to own it. I don't know about you. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and it's kind of like sitting on your shelf now. You were excited about it before. Ask yourself, if that's the case, where are you spiritually? God wants you at a different level. God wants you to, to, to fall in love with that Bible all over again, to let it transform your life from the inside out, to let it, to let it go into the, the nooks and crannies of your life and, and find places where you still need to grow and fill those places with his Holy Spirit and push out anything else. You know, when the Holy Spirit's there, there's no room for anybody else. No room for anything else. That's what God wants us to do. The third way to build our lives in the Bible is to research it using our hands and our mouth. Researching it using our hands and our mouth. There is a difference between skimming through the Bible and studying the Bible. Skimming through it. When we study the Bible, we use our hands. We write down what we learn. We use our hands. We write down what we learn. And we use our mouth. We talk about, we talk about what we learn. I'm going to nicely nudge you a little more this morning. 
This is why it's so important to be part of a life group. Why? Because when you go to a life group, you're, you're talking through things, you're learning about it, and you're, you're writing down things that you've learned, and you're taking notes. You don't have to take notes, but that's what some people do. They write in their Bible, they have a little notebook, and they're taking notes, and they're just learning things, and then they're talking about it. You want to learn about physics? They get with a bunch of physics experts and talk physics. Talk about what you lear- you're learning. Talk about what you read about last night. Talk about how that applied to your life. Talk about this experiment you did. You'll learn more about it by talking about it. You want to learn about the Bible? Get with people who love the Word of God, who want to study the Word of God, and talk about what you learned. Last night, I read about this, and then the next day, I was put in that exact situation, and here's how I responded. You know what? And people say, yeah, yeah, me too. And you start talking about it, and they bring up another verse that applies to it, and all of a sudden, you have this ownership. You need to use your hands. You need to use your mouth. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great earnestness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Got to like them, especially talking about what we were talking about a few few weeks ago with the false teachers. They examined it with earnestness fourth way that you can build your life on the Bible is to review and remember it in your mind, with your mind. Review and remember it with your mind. James 1.25 says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now, the word continues there. Okay, the word continues means to review it. To review it. You know when you're studying for it, you're reviewing, you're going over, you review it. it it's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a continual pondering of it. It's, it's thinking about it over and over, so you're reviewing it, you're pondering it, you're thinking about it over and over, and then he continues not forgetting. Not for, you know, here, nothing will do more to help you to retain the word of God. Nothing will do more to help you to retain the word of God than to memorize it than if you take the time to memorize the Word of God. Now, some people say, well, I, you know, I don't know, I just can't memorize it. You know what I've learned in life? You memorize what's important to you. I can tell you who was pitching, okay, in the World Series, you know, when, or it was in the World Series, I can tell you who was pitching for the Mets, because I was a Mets fan back then, who was pitching for the Mets when Kim was born, the day Kim was born. Dwight Gooden, I can tell you. I cared. I really, really cared. It was important to me. I can remember things that were important to me. We can memorize things that are important to us. This is, the most important things in our, this is the most important thing in our lives, period. My friends, if you're a Christian, there's nothing more important in life than to memorize and understand the Word of God. It will help you through everything you will ever face in your entire life. The biblical term for remembering and, re, and, and reviewing is the word meditation, meditation in joshua chapter 1 and verse 8 it says do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful we need to meditate on it. And we can learn how to do that through our, through our life groups. You know, you, know what the, you know what it is. You can just, someone was telling me this morning that they were, they were going through the book of James and they, were, and they were challenged to memorize the book of James. And so they started in, in verse one and they said, you know, I never thought I'd ever be able to memorize anything like that. And they just started. Next thing you know, they can, they can go through, they can quote James chapter one completely without, without even looking. They can just quote it. 
And I said, you know, if it takes you another four years, it doesn't matter. You keep going forward. You memorize the whole book of James. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. Just do that. And you meditate on it. And then it's in your heart. And you can use it to transform the lives of others as you know the word. The fifth and last way to build our lives in the Bible is to respond to it with our actions. Respond to it with our actions. You know, someone once told me that some people miss heaven by 18 inches, the distance between your brain and your heart. I thought, wow, that's interesting. And the reality is that some people have this knowledge up here. They've gone through church. They've gone through schools. Did me Christian school. I love Christian school. Stay in Christian school. It's awesome education. All I'm saying is that sometimes we as believers go to church or go to different Bible studies or go to school or whatever else. And what happens is we don't really we don't really apply it to our lives. We learn the information, but it never takes the 18 inch drive from your brain to your heart. And this is what James 1.22 says. Do not merely listen to the word and so listen to these words and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. When you apply God's word, you build a strong foundation. Nothing will move the person who has built their lives on the word of God. Nothing that can happen in your life can shake you or rattle you to the point where your world collapses. Why? Because you built your whole foundation on the word of God. I'm going to read this one more time. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice and puts them into practice and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And man, not 2009 to 2011, okay, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came, which you know it's going to. The rain came down. The streams rose, which they always do, and the winds blew. And I'm, I'm adding some of these, so if you don't have your Bible, you know, it's not like they always do. But the winds blew, and they beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. My friends, you and I have no idea the storms that we're going to face in 2012. We have no idea the storms that we're going to come up against in 2012. But you know what? It really doesn't matter. Because if we build our lives on the strong foundation, the rock-solid foundation of God's Word, then we'll be able to stand up to whatever the enemy or anything else in the universe throws at us. We have our foundation on the word of God. It doesn't matter what comes our way, because if we're standing on the rock, if we're standing on the strong foundation of God's word, then we can stand up under whatever comes at us. Nothing will be able to move us. We can grow, we can be strong, and we can do it together. We can do it together. This series could literally change your life. It could change your life. If you just take the time, to, to sit back and say, how, how can I make the word of God a priority in my life? God help me. Someone said this to me after first service. They said, encourage people to pray and ask God to put that desire in their hearts because I did and I now have it. So pray and ask God to put the desire in your heart, maybe once again, to love the word like you did when you first got saved. Live it, love it with all of your heart. Read it, apply it. 
And I'm telling you right now, no matter what comes our way in 2012, we'll be ready for it. I have never been so excited in my life. And I can say this with all sincerity. I have never been more excited to be the pastor of Grace Chapel than I am right now. Even when we first started the church. And that says a lot because I was excited. Deb and I were excited starting Grace Chapel with a few others. And I'm more excited now to be the pastor of this church than I ever have been before in my entire life. I truly believe with all of my heart that God has something unique and special for us. I'm not saying we're better than everyone else. I'm just saying that God has some unique and special things planned for our church. He's put things in place. He's built a strong foundation. And this, my friends, can be a a new launching point for us to do some things that will boggle each of our minds, to to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. But before he's going to give us those things to do, we need to build our lives on the foundation of the word of God. And we need to live out the word of God in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. And I just pray, dear God, that you would bless us as we read your word, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us a passion and excitement, Lord God, to get up every day, to think about your word, to find time to reflect and read read and reflect on your word. And Father, that we would then use your word in our everyday lives so that we can own it, so we have an ownership of what is written in this book that we love so much. Father, give us strength, give us discipline, give us everything that we need to become the people you've created us to be so that we can receive all that you have for us moving forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great, great week.